Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back. It's the Charity Stripe Pitch Free Throws because they're free. Fisher Tosopolis, crazy weekend, college football, crazy weekend, NFL, NBA in full swing. We're going to get to everything. We'll start off the show, T, and it was a heavy topic of conversation amongst the boys watching football yesterday. I had a couple phone calls about it. I'm obviously at the USC game. I'm in the press conference. Caleb Williams, I don't want to say antics, but his actions, I guess, obviously, is a better better terminology. His actions post-game after losing to Washington under heavy fire. He's seen, you know, they can't look. If you're the number one player in the country, which he is, the cameras are going to follow you everywhere. At the end of the game, after losing 52-42 to to Washington at home, Caleb Williams jumped into the stands and shared a very emotional moment uh, with his family, his mother. Um, His face was covered. He was wearing his helmet, but by the way, his body was moving. It looked like he was he was crying and some say sobbing. Post-game presser, I was there. He had a couple questionable responses, and I don't even think the cameras did it justice based off what we've seen on social media. It was very awkward, very, very terse and not in a good way. Um, his body language was pretty bad. That he he started off by like laying on the floor in the back, <laughs> pretty much like sitting down and laying on the floor. So like with his not- back up against the wall. Very, yeah, yeah. I didn't even see it. Like one of the photographers was telling me that he was just like laying on the floor. It's a very bad way to carry yourself as the team leader and number one and projected number one overall pick and reigning Heisman winner. Um, look, for better or for worse, you're on a pedestal and heavy lies the crown is what someone said to me yesterday. And he's got the crown right now, as he should. He's the best player in the nation. He was phenomenal in that game. Outside of the sack that he took, um, which again was one of his weirder responses, and outside of the fumble, which, you know what, turnovers happen, he he, he was remarkable. The fourth down touchdown he threw to Brendan Rice in the corner was insane. The moves he was making, the spin move he had, he was re- his footwork, he was just so good for probably 95 to 98% of the game. Um, but the way he carried himself, I would say in the post-game presser is worse. And again, you and I spoke about it yesterday, and we were cool with the way, him being emotional. Like, look, if you're putting up 42 points in a game and you lose at home, and it's happening every week to you, and it's not your fault, and all you can do is just sit there and watch the defense fold, and they fired their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. Clearly, there's an issue. We've been saying it for a long time. He wasn't that good at OU either. Yeah, like, I could get being emotionally frustrated. Well, I... Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think as many people that criticize from social media and, and from the sidelines from and from talk shows, radio talk shows, um, a lot of them have played sports at some level, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you put your body on the line for something, it's different than, you know, putting your mind on the line for something, right? Which in and of itself can also be tenuous strenuous and, and put a lot of pressure, emotional and physical on you as well. Even if you're just like doing your job, working a nine to five, mm-hmm. but when you are physically putting your, your blood, sweat and tears is what they always say on the line. Like it makes things really dire. So when things go really well, those highs are very high. Right. And when things go really, really poorly and they don't go your way, those lows are really, really low. And yeah. like you said, like, I think it's a compounded situation where he has put, the team on his back week in 
week out. Yes, they are very talented. Their wide receiver room is very talented. Their running back is very good. They have multiple running backs who are very talented. Um, their offensive line is it's okay. Sure. Um, and but the defense has been lackluster. Although there have been some good playmakers, as you've mentioned, to they me have good times. players on the defense. It's right. just this, like they, we've been in this position before. Their, their tackling guys. angles are terrible. Their scheme coach. is they're very, they're very poorly coached. Um, like you said, heavy lies the crown. So he's going to have heavy criticism on him. But it's a little bit of like the LeBron effect too. As many people are criticizing him, people are lauding him, praising him, backing him. You know. And a lot of people have, have brought up like, Hey, when you hug your mama, that's different, right? Like sure, it, just, yeah. it just comes out in a different way. That's the most kind of emotional connection that a lot of people have, um, are, are to their mothers. Right. And, and mm -hmm. so I just, I bring up all those kind of pieces that are out there to say, like, I totally get where that emotionality is coming from. And I'd also like to say, like, I think Caleb Williams is a guy who he's very savvy. He's very smart. He understands moment to moment when he's playing a game, but he also understands the big picture too. And I think this is a team that he cared about. He wants to be a guy that is known for being a great. And this was the end all be all of the season. They had to get a win here because now they're not playing for a PAC 12 championship. They could, it, but they it would could. be, but it would it's, be it's very, very challenging. And certainly they're not playing for the college football playoff berth at this point. And Don't. that might've already been off the table, but I think, part of his emotionality and his response to this game was that recognition as well. Like when I played basketball in high school, the most emotional we got was at the end of the season, whether we won or we lost, right? Because we had gotten to the point where we weren't playing anymore. And yes, he's still going to be playing, but what is he playing for? And, and him knowing that I think part of it is just coming to terms with it and, and being in that moment and, and probably hitting him really, really hard. And like I said, compounding, um, in that moment and making it more severe than you would see just after a random game. But here's the thing. Uh, unfortunately, um, while I completely empathize with the emotionality behind it, the circumstances of everything, um, I think it's, it's fair to say that, you know, you at times were saying this is the best guy, the most talented guy you've seen in college in 10 years. It won't really matter because people aren't going to be saying that. They're not because of the legacy of what he wasn't able to do on on the field in regards to getting to the college football playoff, winning Pac-12 championships. Like accolades mean a lot. They really do. And they're a way that we kind of take account of history and college football and the NFL. And he's just not he doesn't have the same level of success as guys like Cam Newton. Um, sure, he's got the same level of success as a guy like Johnny Football, right? Because they both well, won he's Heisman's. in the same. Yeah, I was about to say he's in the same grouping now. You're 100. It's a really good point. You're he's probably going to be revered in the same grouping as RG3, Lamar, Manziel, guys just to put up crazy numbers. But really, I can't say those guys are better than Cam Newton or Tim Tebow. I just or Joe can't. Burrow. Like or Joe Burrow. Guys, it's like you know, like even like. Baker's even in a different category, maybe a category with not those guys, but he's in that in-between category as far as you have to unfortunately win. And that's the sad part, I guess, like going back to it, like he couldn't do anything about it defensively. Like he, he can't come out there and make tackles. Like the defense really failed him outside of the Notre hey, Dame game. I, like they should be, they should have only, they, they could have, I don't know if they win the Washington game. They should have won the Utah game for sure. The defense, a team broke. that's better, better coached, right? Mm -hmm. And they have Ever guys that know their role and know their system, know their scheme. And like, 
Those players put it all on the line, just like the UFC guys do. But that's where the coaching makes a big difference. Honestly, the USC team and the LSU team are pretty comparable this year. Like Joe Burrow is the best quarterback to ever don the purple and gold. Jane Daniels might be the second best quarterback LSU's ever had. Probably well, and I Jamarcus Russell is pretty ridiculous. Sure, but I He's think that negative connotation to him because of the NFL stuff. But I'm with you. Like with the numbers, and like de- and that defense is terrible. And yeah. it's been terrible the entire year. And as, as good of a quarterback, it was interesting. We were in uh, multiple conversations about the battle between Penix and Caleb Williams. Michael Penix, who also deserves to be lauded for that game. His performance was incredible as well. He did exactly what he needed to do for his football team to win. And to capitalize on you know a, a mishap like Caleb had, that fumble was really, really crucial. It's even more crucial when your defense sucks, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's just the fact of the matter. But um one of our one of our friends Adam Zar White was texting us about like this is the best quarterback matchup I've ever seen. Well, I'll tell no, you I what, like, it, which it one? Makes, I was like, which one? Exactly, which one? Because Milrow and Daniels was also a really really good one. It's been awesome to see Milrow get so much better throughout the season. But I'll say this though, it's it probably looked like it was the best quarterback matchup that you'd ever seen because the USC defense and the Washington defense are probably the worst defenses we've ever seen on a team on two teams that were college football playoff potentials, right? Think about all the teams that have gone to the semifinal, won the, won the college football final, or even, you know, 10, 15 years ago, won the national championship. The defense was always good. Yeah, like I mean, liner and liner and Reggie Bush, like that USC defense was good. That Texas Longhorn defense was good. Like go, go back all the national champions. They don't have lackluster defenses. Even the LSU defense, with Joe Burrow was good enough, like, and has some real pros on it. Derek Stingley as a freshman, like Patrick Queen is a pro. Yeah. Oh my God. They have pros on that. Grant Delpit's good. Like they they, have, yeah. They they have pros on that team. I mean, you go to like, you go to the Alabama days of old, like McCarron and and McElroy are good college quarterbacks, but like, let's call let's call David Spade. Oh, they have three first round picks defensively in in every draft. Yeah. So, it, it's just unfortunate. And the post game presser was the bigger issue for me with Caleb. Like he really did not. And I know it's tough after a loss. And quite frankly, they shouldn't have just thrown those kids to the wolves. But if you're going to be out there, you gotta, you gotta. Like it's part of the job. It just is part of the job. And right now, it is a job. Like it's part of the job is like being above it a little bit, no matter how badly it's things. And and I get why he was frustrated. And I get it's boiled over into the press conference. And I get he doesn't want to be there. He's a 21 year old kid, and he probably just wants to go home and call, like anybody would. Yeah. But I have to set an example. I obviously don't think this hurts his draft stock at all. He no. he, he was superb. Um, he as good as Penix was. Like he is definitely a way better quarterback than Michael Penix Jr. Like Michael Penix Jr. was good. Like he did. He like you said, he got the job done. Did what he had to do. But he didn't blow me out of the water like like Caleb Williams did. Like there were so many plays in the press box. You're not allowed to cheer in the USC press box, but there were so many plays. People were like, oh, like hats off. Like you couldn't. And it happens every week. So. Um, we'll get to the NFL now because this kid is probably going to be the first overall pick, whether it's the Cardinals, the Bears, or someone moves up to get him. Um, but very, very interesting to see people's response. I think the LeBron comp, as weird as it is, is pretty good because there's people on both sides of the aisle. There is actually one more thing I wanted to say, and it's just the thought I had. I, I don't know if I brought it up to you yesterday, but it's interesting to see him win the Heisman and have to come back to school. I've looked at the last four guys to do that. And I could have maybe missed somebody, but I just, you know, glance. It was him, Lamar, Manziel, and Winston. And Lamar came back, and there's no issue with Lamar Jackson. 
But Winston and Manziel came back, and I'm not saying Caleb's and like they're all very different, varying degrees of like problems they've had. Like this is really Caleb Williams. Like with this, Caleb Williams saying he wants to own a team, just like not like great stuff, but not like nothing terrible. Like Manziel obviously was out of control. We saw the doc, and Winston like really regressed uh, in maturity uh, after coming back. So it's very interesting to see these guys. Like, you know, do you come in and? After winning the highs, and have you outgrown college a little bit? Like you, you once once you well as an as an individual, I I can see how a lot of times you could probably get in the headspace of I've done exactly what I needed to do. I've exactly. been the best I could possibly be, and and guess what? We're getting the exactness of how good he's been this year, but it not being enough, right? Like we literally that's what we started the conversation off with. It it, it wouldn't have mattered. He he might have he might be pound for pound the best college football quarterback we've ever seen, but it doesn't matter because this team isn't going to win a national championship because it is a team sport. Right. Yeah. But he and has, he done, he's gotten, you're right. He's gotten the individual accolade that every college football player grows up and is the most revered thing, right. Winning a college football national championship and winning a Heisman, like they might be right there with each other. Honestly. Yeah. Or one, a one B at least, at, le- at least in the way that we look at them. Right. Like as mm. fans and as media and, and just talking about the, the, the history of it. I do. I'm not going to apologize for me saying that like in 10 years, we're not going to remember him as good of a college. No, quarterback. we will. But, but that's also just like a fun game that we like to play. And as like historians of the sport and guys that really care about the history of a sport and, and how the history will be affected in 20, 25 years. Like I think it's important to bring up because I think it matters. And it's just one of the things that, and I'm not like happy that I get to dock him for it. I'm just saying that that's the, probably the, the reality of it now um, yeah. with this team and, and what the USC Trojans haven't been able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I just thought you find it interesting to think as again, like you're saying historians of the game, looking back at Winston and Manziel and, a, and a, upon accomplishing all the individual accolades that they've accomplished, like only, and Winston won a national championship, only the national championship really being the only thing. Like once you can't get right. that, like you said earlier, they probably lost him a long time ago. They shot to go to the playoffs when they lost to Utah Notre Dame. Like if things could unravel for you a little yep. bit. Uh, switching gears, going professional. Few questions for you, dude. Um, first of all, we just got to give a shout out to Biggest Balls of the Week, Joshua Dobbs. I feel like this guy, no more than any quarterback I've seen in recent time in the NFL. And again, like there's a lot of times where guys aren't moving teams at all a lot. But this guy has been like, I think, I think it's his fifth team in two years. And every time he gets, he's, he's thrown into the fire. Like the Tennessee game, he's thrown into the fire last year. And we're all like, this guy stinks. He's not an NFL quarterback. He's a starting quarterback for the Cardinals. Actually, like, keeps the Cardinals pretty competitive. The Cardinals' worst game by far was this past weekend. That was without Josh Dobbs. Oh, yeah. It was night and day difference without him quarterbacking for them. Yeah, 100%. He comes in. Jaron Hall, unfortunate for him, gets hurt in the first drive. Dobbs coming in off like four days of practice. Not They were saying he didn't even know guys in the huddle, which is kind have of you seen the, Have you seen the video of him? on the sideline with the center working on their cadence. They literally were working on their cadence, their snap count on the sideline because yeah. they hadn't had enough reps doing it. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, and they're, and they're, thank God the Vikings offensive line, which we've said is, is pretty good. I know they just traded Ezra Cleveland last week, but they have Garrett Bradbury O'Neal and, and people were saying, uh, Christian Darrisaw is the best offensive tackle in the league. So yeah. they have like some protection. He has weapons even without Justin Jefferson, but KJ Osborne went out and like, this guy, like, the the scrambling the running plays. Am I is he a starting quarterback next year? I don't know. I probably not. But God, he he should be a back. He is arguably the most valuable backup other than Jacoby Brissett in the NFL. Like it, he is in that group. 
Yeah, I think it just goes to show the value in playmaking, improvisational skills, um, and being able to to run the football and know when to run as a quarterback. And it doesn't mean that it's the end all be all in the way that we look at, you know, QBs in the first and second rounds. Like we should always put the guy that has mobility in the pocket and out of the pocket ahead of the guy that doesn't. But I certainly think like when you're talking about slotting a guy in, when you need to win a game as a backup or as a guy that's, you know, an extended starter, because your starter goes down with injury. Like those are the type of guys that normally bode pretty well. And mm-hmm. PJ Walker, um, who's the backup for, for Lamar that won like three games, like two years uh, ago. Huntley. Yeah. Huntley, right. Like those guys seem to have a lot of success. I mean, Baker Baker's a guy that has a lot of mobility. And I think that, you know, he's been in a lot of different situations and, you know, he was, a, he was the one, one, right. So maybe it's a little bit different, but we saw the same thing with Mariota, same thing with Fitzpatrick, same thing with Heineke. Like all those guys are mobile enough and can run pretty darn well when they need to. And yeah. when you're third and long, um, that just makes all the difference. It really does. I don't, I don't know if Baker's a backup per se. Like he's been, no, pretty- no, no, but he, but in first for Los Angeles, right. He can't, he comes in not as their starting quarterback last year. And I'm just saying like that type of quarterback, where they have the ability to to convert third and five plus with their mm-hmm. legs, mm-hmm. and it's not just them being fast, right? That's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like knowing when to run, knowing how to run tough, which is something Dobbs does, Heineke, Fitz, Fitzpatrick. Like I'm naming all these guys, and they all kind of feel like they're that same like mold of QB, where they will do whatever it takes, like whatever it damn takes for their team to win. And I love that. I, I love that out of a guy. Yeah, and I, I just I know we didn't. I'm not, I was just looking something up on the Baker point. They've lost like four in a row. They were three. And like, it's just like, it seems like this happens to Baker. I right? maybe it happened to Donald in Carolina. Like they lost four in a row. They were three and one. Now they're three and five. And we were like, okay, maybe Todd Bowles is a good head coach, but the Falcons game, the Falcons drove down the field and young way Koo kicked a game winning field goal. Yep. And in this last game, like Baker led them down the field and they scored. And CJ Stroud, like we could, we could, you know, tether this now to the next topic of, of CJ Stroud. But CJ Stroud, like, drove down the field, like he'd been playing NFL f- football for ten years. Like it was, re- he manhandled that defense, bodied yeah. that defense. Yeah, I mean, what what's your what's your question that you've been asking on social? Is he a top ten quarterback right now? If you take into account, like, okay, like. Cousins is out with injury. Rogers is out with injury. If like we're we're factoring all these things into the mix, these guys that were out with injury, like who are the guys that are for sure better than him? Like realistically, well, I mean Stafford. Stafford can't stay healthy either, right? He's no, hurt once again. Give me Stroud over Stafford. Yeah, um, even if Stafford's fully healthy. Yeah, I mean at this point, yeah, Stroud is better than Geno Smith. Yes. Right. Okay. Stroud. Is, would you rather have Derek Carr or CJ Stroud? That's where we're at. I think I'd rather have CJ because of his mobility um, within the pocket. Like, he, yeah, he, there have been a, multiple plays every week where I've been like, oh, that guy's about to take a 17 yard loss as a rookie. And that's a massive rookie mistake. And he somehow gets out of it. Right. These these sacks that five plus yards lot losses that, that Bryce Young seems to be taking multiple times every week, CJ somehow gets out of it. He steps up in the pocket. He beats one guy and that guy ends up on the turf and then he runs around and then he finds an open guy down the field. Um, We were texting yesterday. I think some of it has to do with like, I think their weapons are sneaky good. 
Like they have no ground. Their offensive line is not bad. Well, it was really like, good last year. How good was Damian Pierce last year? Yeah, like they're, that's like the the irony part of their like the, of this team is, and we've said this before. Like I think a big reason why Dak came into the league and was and was strong and was really great was because of how well Jerry Jones drafts the offensive line. Like he yeah. puts a really good offensive line product out in the field. And like look at this offensive line. Like Laramie Tunsil's a top tier tackle. Like Titus Howard, they moved to guard. Like he's been really good. Shaq Mason's a really strong guard. Like they've done a really good job putting an offensive line around him. And yes, like Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Tank Dell, like those guys are all Dal- maybe Dalton not Schultz. Enough. Yeah, Dalton really Schultz is the number one tight end in the league for sure. He's yeah. top 15 yeah, yeah, tight end yeah. in the league. And those three guys, you have three number twos. Maybe Robert Woods is in number three now at this point in his career, but he's still very helpful. Like Nico Collins, like is arguably a wide receiver one, probably a, a wide receiver two on, on a you know like a Super Bowl winning team. But he, yeah. he's a he's a damn good wide receiver, and Tank Dow is pretty special as a rookie. Like, but CJ Stroud continues to deliver. Like he, pro, like he, I don't, you know, I mean, maybe he's, like he's he's fourteen and his touchdown to interception ratio is fourteen to one. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous, dude. He's like, seventh in passing yards. He's got it over a, a one hundred passer rating. Like he's really this is he's real. seventh like, in touchdowns thrown, and every guy ahead of him has thrown more picks. Actually, ironically, the next guy ahead of him that's thrown the least amount of picks is Russell Wilson. Like, and and I don't think it's for lack of like not making risky throws. Like he throws downfield. Like it's not like he's oh, being yeah. he's being super dink and dunk, and he's just making the right read and he's just making the right play and the safe play. That's not it. Um, he's just running game has been great. Like he, they probably will be in the market. What I anticipate them doing in the draft next year because they don't have their pick. They have the Browns pick. Worth it. They have Will Anderson Jr. who's been great. They'll probably be in that. You know, because the Browns are winning football games. Their defense is so good. And Deshaun Watson, like low-key, I think you said yesterday, put in a, a pretty low-key good game yesterday uh, yeah. with, for Cleveland. Amari Cooper's great. Um, so they'll probably be picking in that 19 to 23 range. And they'll, you know, they're not going to be able to get Marvin Harrison Jr., his old teammate, but they could probably get Emeka Buka, you know, from Ohio State and, and do kind of what, you know, like on a maybe lesser scale what the Bengals did with Chase and Burrow. Getting Buka in the mix, then he has him, Collins, and, and Tank Dell, and then all of a sudden his receiving room is pretty good. And in the second round, like you go get a running back, or you you go get Austin Eckler, like in free agency, if he's not going back to the Chargers. Like if he if Stroud Stroud's completion percentage is down because he doesn't really have that check down running back. If he had that check down running back, his passer rating would be up, his completion percentage would be up. He wouldn't have to go down the field as much as he's been going down the field. Um, okay. and I think he'd be without a doubt. I think he already is based off what we're talking about a top ten quarterback. Look, he'd be no I'll, doubt I'll, in my mind a top ten quarterback. Let me do it real quick. Is he better yeah. than Tua? No. Is he better than Josh Allen? No. No, he's not. He's not. No. But is Josh Allen is issues, bro. I'm sorry. We'll get it. We'll get into it in a second. But he's Josh Allen's a better quarterback than him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is he better than Patrick Mahomes? No. no. Is he better than Jalen Hurts? No. Um, is he better than Herbert? No. Is he better than Burrow? No. Is he better than Lamar? No. Is he better than Trevor Lawrence? No. And that's where I mean I think like I think Dak like LB, is I still Dak Dak's, Dak, better. Dak's better than him. So he's at ten right now. Oh, Goff. Sorry, Goff. So all Goff, right, he's out. Goff, he's outside Goff of the back if Cousins was healthy. He's not. And then I th- right, right. And then I think if fully healthy Stafford is is operating at 100% capacity, he's a better quarterback. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's been fine. Like, he's been fine this year. He's been fine. Their defense has been abysmal. It's gotten better over the last gotten couple of games. gotten better over the past couple of games. Like, they could be a sneaky team to spin things around. 
Sure, like, I'm not sure. buying back into Broncos country because I never bought in, but I'm I'm anticipating I, maybe my take regressing a little bit. I, I can tell you have, I can tell you I'd rather have C.J. Stroud than Russell Wilson though. Fair. That's obviously you know rookie contract. Of course I would. But the yeah. whole the whole shebang. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Include all that. Um. All right. So here's the deal. Let's get to the Bills. Well, let me ask you this first before we get to the, you know Mr. McDermott being on the hot seat. Who are your top three most disappointing teams in the NFL right now? Well, I I do think that the Bills have to be on that list, but I would say I I want to give them they're my number two. I want to give them a, I want to defend them a little bit. Sure. The Milano injury, the Tredavious White injury again, Von Miller not being back yet, like it makes a huge impact. And I think that this team this year is I, I think this is kind of what the Ravens were the last two years, where like personnel wise they had all the pieces, they could have put it together, but they got really really hurt. And that, and it wasn't something that they were able to recover from. And Mm. I think while they are getting more and more hurt and things are looking bleaker and bleaker for them, it's the opposite for the team they played last night, who's getting healthier and healthier. And it's all about getting healthy and being healthy at the right time uh, in the season in the NFL. It really is. And that's why this Bengals team is now on a roll. And I think they're going to be, but they're going to continue to be a force to be reckoned with. But with all that said, I think that, you know, Josh Allen has been less than perfect. Um, you know, Gabe Davis was goose egg yesterday. He was Tony Snell action. Like you can't have that from your wide receiver too. And so there are some, some serious problems with this team, but they still don't run the football. Well, like I look, the thing they run it better cook's been the best version of what they've offered from the running game in the last three years. They got Leonard Fournette. Let's see what he looks like in two weeks. Like I'm not out on them. They're not my Super Bowl pick by any stretch of the imagination. I, I don't even think this team's going to make the AFC championship. No way. There are a lot of teams better than them. And the McDermott doesn't have that long of a leash. Like he's on the hot seat for sure. Like Harbaugh, like, yes, like he, the difference between them and the Ravens is Harbaugh has a ring and he's always put a good product out of the field. Like they're, they're if you're the bills, well, owner, they also, though, they also might be the best team in football too. So yeah, now they are. If, if you're the bills ownership, like you got to look at this and you go, Josh Allen's our pro, is our prize pony. We can't, you know, we, we can't have a Philip Rivers situation on our hands with Josh Allen. It can't yeah. turn into that. Like we have to have like a big Ben esque situation at the minimum. Like he's, he's like that level of player. So they are going to have to eventually, you know, look in the mirror and be like a Sean McDermott or a guy. And I think he's a really good coach and think he'll get another shot somewhere else, but I don't know if he's the right. I think it, it, it's worn out when it's the same broken record over and over every season. I think McDermott is going to be on the chopping block at this pace for the Buffalo. Okay. Bears. So who was your most disappointing team? My most, my top three most disappointing teams in the NFL right now, the New York football giants are number one, the Buffalo bills are number two and the Los Angeles Rams are number three. Um, and I'll tell really? you why. Yeah, they are. Cause they just, they, I, I, it's tough. What about, they, what about expectations for your first team and your third team? That's my counter. The expectations for the giants. Well, what were our own expectations for the giants? Our expectations. I'm so I'm talking about the public's expectations. Sure. Like the, the public's expectations for the New York the playoff Lions, team last year playoff yeah, team, yeah. and they're a top five team in the draft picking the quarterback that they just paid is torn his ACL. Very unfortunate. But before the ACL tear, it was like, all right, we get, we have to get rid of this guy. So well, he was also, he was also hurt before the ACL tear and he's just not the guy. Well. And it's, yeah, yeah, he's not the, he's not looked like the guy this year. 
then we're talking about Stafford who can't stay healthy anymore. And okay. If he's playing there, he's a top 10 quarterback, but they're not winning games. They've had a Cooper cup injury and this team is stuck between a rock and a hard place of hanging on to their like guys that won the Super Bowl team and not really doing a great job of getting younger and revamping. Like they're going to be back to square one very soon. And look, that's the risk you run when you, when you, when you sell your soul to the devil to get, to get a championship, which they did and it worked. Like yeah. it's, it's not too dissimilar to the Toronto Raptors, Kawhi Leonard saga. Um, although I would say that franchise is in better shape than the Los Angeles Rams. More young, yeah. more young assets. Yeah, for sure. But it's also ironic because they're hanging on to their guys too. So like they're not making a move with Siakam and, and OG. So that would be my, my NBA to NFL comp there. And I, we, we've just discussed the bills. So that that's why they were my top three. Who's your, who are your top three? Yeah, I, I guess I have, um, I don't have the giants on there. They were a consideration for sure. Um, mm-hmm. but I think acknowledging that they overreached last year and that mm-hmm. they don't have a top 12 quarterback, top 20, top 15 quarterback, um i'll leave it at that i don't need to get into the further into the rankings you never need to go between 16 and the you know the rest of the league to figure out where where your quarterbacks lie because that's an impossible task um i I would say this is kind of like a acknowledging who this team is now and knowing what they could have been and the moves that they didn't make Mm. and this is gonna be i imagine how i feel at the end of the season i'm really disappointed in the falcons because there's no reason why they shouldn't be winning this nfc south which is the worst division in football in my opinion just top to bottom the teams that are in the division are not very good um you mentioned the bucks who are on a total slide the panthers have a rookie quarterback and they stink trying to figure things out they picked the the wrong guy and the new orleans saints are also so mediocre and i just don't know if dennis allen's the guy and like Great, they got another win, and they're a gritty football team, and, and you have to appreciate that because I'm going to dock this next team that I mentioned because they are the opposite of a gritty football team. But the Falcons have better personnel than the Saints do. They have a better complete team, except they are lacking at the quarterback position, and they should have addressed that concern, and they should have made a move. It didn't have to be for Lamar, but it, it, it should have been someone that wasn't Desmond Ritter and wasn't Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke slots into this game. He is a backup. He's a backup quarterback. He is, as we mentioned earlier, the type of guy like Josh Jobs who you want to be filling in for your starter and you think can be plucky and win you a game. And he can do that. He didn't yesterday. And now they're in a tough position. They they well, lost. He, they were, he kind of got him there. Like they, their defense sure. blew it. But Grady Jarrett's now out for the season. That's a tough injury. I'm, I'm interested to see how their run defense looks the rest of the season with, with him not in the middle there. Although Clay Campbell did have, an awesome play in that game and did the dirty bird celebration, which was fun. Um, but I think if they had a quarterback, they'd be winning this division. They'd be two games over 500 and they'd be primed for the playoffs. And now they're going to be fighting tooth and nail to get there and to potentially take this division away from the saints who are likely going to, going to get there with nine wins, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's just, that's a bummer. And that's a, a big disappointment to me. And then the other team is, I know they play tonight. We don't know the, the outcome of this game, but the, the chargers are an absolute disappointment to me. I they're they're squandering the time that they have with, with Justin Herbert um, and Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen. And now Mike Eckler. Williams is out Eckler. Like you probably won't have Eckler next year. Like you mentioned, even if they win tonight, you know, they'll be four and four, they will be 500. Um, and they just find ways to lose football games, you know, and I'm looking at the AFC North and like four and four is not good enough right now in the AFC. Right, the Bengals, no, the Browns, he might the be, he might get, if they lose, he might get fired tonight. Like tonight, Brandon Staley. He probably should be. If again, 
the Steelers, the Browns, the Bengals, they're all five and three, you know, like the Texans are four and four. You're, you're not a better team than the Texans. Mm. Like what the, the Jets would be, the Jets would also be four and four. The team that you're playing tonight has a better record than you. I know yeah. the Chargers are favored in that game, but their quarterback is Zach Wilson. How are they? How are they over five hundred and you're not? Like, the Jets could be five and three at this point. Better than the they're better than the Bills. They could be if they win tonight. And I expect. Look, I expect the Chargers to win, but would I be surprised if they lost tonight? Absolutely not. So they've no, been a massive. Jets, they've been a massive disappointment because it's not like they're missing a lot mm. from a personnel standpoint. Their defense is good. They have good players on their defense. They're head coach who is a defensive minded head coach, just like can't put it together on the defensive side of the football. Mm. It's head scratching. There's just something wrong there, man. It's when, when the, when you have a defensive minded coach and he can't run a good defense, tell, tell side you need to change. Like yeah. you need it. You need to wrap that thing up and, and, and throw it down the river, get it out of here. Yep. <laughs> it's a car, a car with evidence. He lighted on fire in an alley. You got to get rid of it. Um, all right, let's keep the train rolling. Let's go to NBA, dude. NBA full swing. You want a glass half full of this thing or glass half empty? How do you want to start? So we could do our three most disappointing things or our three <laughs> biggest disappointing players, sorry, or our three biggest surprises. I'll let you pick. Um let's uh let's stay moody. Let's stay brooding edgy. and moody. Okay, yeah, I'm with let's, it. Let's okay, keep three. the angst rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Here are my three most disappointing players so far in the NBA season. Number one, without a doubt, Julius Randle. I saw a very funny tweet. I won't take credit for it, that he is shooting uh tour dates out there. So four of 17, five of 20, like his shooting spreads are looking like tour dates, which is a very, very funny comment. That's hilarious. Um, hilarious. Number two is John ja Moran. Like you need him. Like he's missing time and they're one in six horrible start if you're the memphis grizzlies and we're a top seed last year in the western conference sorry can i just that. Can I, but i i feel like the tour dates and everything is like i, I want you to get into jaw but i just want to give julius randall's stat line through six games sure. just for everyone to hear he's averaging 13.7 points 10 and a half rebounds 5.2 assists okay that that's not terrible although the points is abysmal he's shooting 27 from the from the field He's shooting 22.5% from three, and he's shooting 62% from the free throw line. Horrible. He's like borderline. He's like borderline got the That's yips. a guy that's been all NBA two times in his career. That's one of the worst splits I've ever seen. Like, and I look, guys go on, they go on rough patches, but that is so, so bad. And look, there's so much parody in the NBA. You don't, you can't afford to go on a, a 10 game spell where se you lose seven of those games you just can't not oh, with no. how good teams are like you just can't do it and yeah it's been really bad it's bad that's, what I'm, that's the whole point like the grizzlies like one in six isn't cool man like oh well they were better with they're not better without john morant dude john morant when he's playing the top 20 player in the nba and he's a superstar and you need him clearly so john morant's antics from last season boiling over into this season has really hurt this franchise and set them back a year and it's not like they have a bad team. Like they have guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, like Smart's playing pretty well. Like they have good players in their team, except and then the Steven Adams loss is massive. They have good players in their team. Um, but Brandon, the Clark, the, Brandon Clark is still not playing either. Yeah. They, they're, so they're, they're, their depth is – and their, their drafting has been pretty piss poor. Like you texted me and our buddy Brandon the other day. Um, but there's so much talent in the NBA. So when you step up on the court every night, no game is a gimme. 
It's just not like, even if you look at the bottom field, like the, the Pistons are like one of the worst teams in the East. And we really like, kind of like, like their roster, like Kate Cunningham and, and, and Jay one's been good. And, and the Thompson twin has been, he's been pretty excellent. At least yeah, on the defensive side, been not, he's been on, awesome. the de- yeah. on the defensive side of the basketball. Alec, Alec Burks has been really good. Okay. So this is, this is a two and five team. That's really competitive. So no games, a gimme. Um, so they're kind of getting rolled over. They had their first win last night against Portland. Who's not a good basketball team. Um, as far as, you know, you know, what we've seen in the past from that franchise. No. And, 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 you know, I'll give them some credit because it looked like they were going to lose that game. And in the last five minutes of the game, Memphis went on a 17 0 run, which that is what you have to do. You have to take advantage when you're playing a team that is full of young guys who have no direction. And when you have Marcus Smart and you have Desmond Bain on a team, both of those guys are dogs, great defensive players and guys that have made clutch and important shots for teams. Now, did you always want Marcus shooting them in Boston? No, but did he always take them? A lot of the times, yeah, he did. He's been there before. He's been in big moments. Desmond Bain, you know, they, they got to the second round of the playoffs, this Grizzlies team. You know, they've, they've before. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is continuing to develop, but they have more experience than some of these younger teams in the West. So they have to capitalize on games like that. But mm. to me, so I just, you know, credit where credit is due. That was a gritty win last night. But I, it's tough, man. When Zaire Williams and Luke Kennard and Santi Aldama and David Roddy, where like none of those guys have asserted themselves as being the starter for this team. Right now they're starting Zaire Williams at the wing, but he had 28 minutes and seven points. Like they're just missing something. Um, not a great, so I, he's not a great scorer. Like, I'm sorry to cut you, but he, he needs to be a better scorer. Like he's not like an elite defender. Yeah. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out their rotation while they don't have jaw, which is a problem, which means you don't have the personnel to beat good teams when you do have jaw, because that just means that you're going to be completely reliant on a guy who still has some slights in his game. He still doesn't shoot the three-point ball good enough, you know? Um, Jaron Jackson still is not dominant offensively in a way that you need him to get to if you want to be a a true championship contender. Like Desmond Mm -hmm. Bain covers up some holes, but he's not going to give you 45 a night. Like he just isn't going to – he'll give you 27 a night on on pretty efficient shooting. Um, But, yeah, they're, they're in a tough spot. Very disappointing. 27 shots last night. That's so many. They're, they, they're not really capable of allocating a lot of good offensive looks to other players because smart Jaron Jackson Jr. All defensive guys like Bismack Biombo is just a filler for Steven Adams. He's not really an NBA starter. So yeah, they have some issues. And I would say, I guess if I have to give a number three and I'm sure they're going to be fine, Jimmy and the Jimmy and the heat have been pretty disappointing to start. Like they'll be okay, but that's like my number three He's like a throw in number three. Who are yours? Um, it was I almost Lamelo. I was telling you Lamelo yesterday. He got off to a really bad start against y'all, but he finished really strong. Yeah, he had ten assists in the first half, and then we were like, "Let's make him score." And then he had like twenty-seven points in the second half. So crazy. Um, we did win that game though, which is the important things. I would say, uh, I mean, like, look, like the King started. You know, they're two and three, but again, it's so early. It's it's mm. it's hard to tell. I'm not necessarily worried about that team. Um, I've seen a lot of good things from like. Like the Hornets are two and four, but they actually have a more capable roster than I than I thought they were going to have. Um, sure. Some teams have played six games, others have only played f- five. I think for a lot of teams, like I'm, I've been okay. They look like who I thought they were, right? Like the Celtics, um, the 76ers, I've been really, really happy with. I'm just looking at the top of the East right now. The Hawks, like the first two games, Trey Young was abysmal, but then they quickly flipped things around. Um, I like that they got rid of John Collins. I think. 
a Kong who has been really good for them. Uh, DeJounte Murray, you know, I think is now more so like filling in that two role as a, alongside Trey Young, where it needs to be one, two, right? It can't just be like these guys are on equal playing field. Um, and it's actually now, helped his game. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, Jordan Poole, I just, but that team's supposed to suck. So like you can't, that's why I didn't throw them in there. Like the number, like the, that's like, and I guess we can move to like maybe your three. I just, I just don't know what, moments. I just don't know what he's doing though. Like there's sucking. And then there's a point where it's like, he's going to, if he takes too much away from these other young players, like our buddy, Matt Moderna, who does the believe in wizards uh, podcast, which is a great show tweeted the other day he was like i would not be surprised if the gogo squad with the capital gogo squad which is their g league team was a better looked better on the court than the actual wizards because like that's where koulibaly is going to be playing right like that's where like all these young guys are actually going to get going to get reps in minutes together because west Sunsell jr like wants to let jordan Poole rip like 37 minutes a game and and try and put up a 40 burger every single game but like that just doesn't help the development of guys like Denny of Dia and the other young guys on the team, like Bilal Koulibaly and Johnny Davis, like you just, you're not going to get these guys better. If Jordan Poole is taking no over in a, right now. Yeah. He could be a, he could be a trade piece for sure for a team. But he'd be valuable. Like yeah. anybody can use him. Like I'm sure y'all can use him. We can still use him. Like on the, if you could buy low on him and, he, and he's, in yeah, any team is shooting. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. What were you going to, let's get into the positives though. Cause I think right now, like, there's more teams that the, the Grizzlies are the worst team in the NBA um, because they've lost more games than the Wizards, but both those teams only have one win and everyone else has at least two wins or three wins. Like there's a lot of like a lot of parody right now. Um, okay. So my three biggest surprises positively, number one is a, a pair of teammates in the Philadelphia 76ers, Tyrese Maxey and Kelly Oubre. I mean, Maxey's numbers are ridiculous and I'm not even talking about just scoring the basketball. Woo. Yeehaw. Yeehaw, baby. Maxey's numbers, a birthday gift you got me. Maxey's numbers are absolutely absurd and ridiculous. I, the guy's like assist to turnover ratio it is phenomenal. It's less than two. I'm pulling it up right now. I, I think it's like 1.6. So he's moving the rock well. He's scoring the rock well, and he's filling in really admirably as a number two piece. And like we go back, we always say this on our show all the time. That Kentucky team was in the COVID year. Had that Kentucky team played the national, uh, played the March Madness tournament with Quickly and Maxi, I don't think those guys would have gone as late as they did. Like late as they did, they were like outside yeah. the lottery picks in the twenties. So Maxi Ubre has really found a nice home. Um, they have four guys that are scoring twenty plus points a game. I would like to maybe see them. This is like wishful thinking. Move Tobias Harris for an up, either an upgrade with his contract and the picks he just got in the Harden deal, or maybe just get some more bodies in the mix that are actually like. like Roko, Batum, and Morris are guys we've all liked in the past, but I well, think those guys are over the hill. Batum might retire. He might not even. Yeah, exactly. He might. He might not even suit up for this team. So yeah, I mean, I. It's hard to not have a takeaway after watching the short amount of basketball that we've watched, and and it not be okay. Tyrese Maxey is the real deal, an all star. If you know, if if we had to make our all star picks today, he's absolutely one of them. He's playing like one of the best guards in the East, and. um I want to give him even more credit because a lot of times we ask there, there are guards like him that are put in a situation where it's like, okay, you take Jim, you, you take James Harden off this team. Can he create, can he play make like you're talking about? Can he get those assist numbers? Can he open up opportunities for other guys and add that to his game? 
right? That's a really hard thing to do, to add passing, to add vision. Like that's, that's innate for a lot of guys where they've always played that way. Right. So like when a guy comes in the league and he's Sharif Cooper, right. And we're like, Mm. we know that guy can pass. Well, we're worried about everything else that guy can do. You don't lose the passing like that. That's just, it's, it's a basketball IQ thing. Like a guy started as a point guard. So he's always had that in a, in a, certain respects. Now he's repressed it because he played with James Harden and they were like, you go in there, you score the basketball. You that was a lot of things the Sixers fans said when we threw that grade up, like you're not taking into account how good Max is going to be without him. And I, I, I realized like how, yes, Max is going to grow. I think the issue, the bigger issue I had with the 76ers and the return they got from James Harden was what they gave up, you know? Yeah. Like he just yeah. tore that franchise apart. Yeah. Like I just, every I, franchise. thinking about Maxi and like, in a lot of ways, he was categorized with Tyler Hero, with Anthony Simons. Like those guys were grouped together. He's a step above them now. Just, just by nature of what I've seen in this short amount of time, like already. Love that. Love that. Uh, my final, my next two are, I'll say, um, Wemby. Like I know he's supposed to be sick, but the Suns. I, I, I'm really blown away by his maturity late in the game. Like his ability to come in and and really be the guy late in the game. I know it's a short sample size. But that's just a testament to the pro ball these guys play overseas. Like it yeah. gets, it really gets you ready for that. Uh, so and his, in his competitive nature as well. Yeah. So I think a lot of people saw him like, okay, this guy's a project. He needs to put on weight. His game and his fundamentals are that of a European player. And what do we always say about those guys? They're fundamentally more sound than the young guys coming into the NBA. That's why they're able to carve out roles. So he's like that combined with the physical tools of a top tier player. So I think like people realizing that makes them extra the top tier player, the physical tools of something we've never seen before. Really? Yeah. See the, you, you, we were, it's shocking on the TV screen. Um, and then number three, uh, look, there is this probably, they're probably a regular season, you know, warrior type deal, but there are four teams in the NBA with giving up less than 105 points per game. And there's only one team in the NBA giving up less than a hundred points per game. And that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, they had Anthony Edwards. They have Anthony Edwards. They have Carl Anthony towns, really two strong offensive guys. And they went out and got Rudy Gobert, And everyone was saying it was the worst trade they've ever seen last year. I think if we see this type of trend for this team continue throughout the rest of the season, that trade will buoy up to look a little bit better. The McDaniels signing in the offseason, like they're they're forming their identity in a more gritty way and a more defensive mind. There's kind of zagging where everyone else is going and going the defensive route. And I actually think it's going to really help this franchise really be competitive this year. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few teams that are kind of built like they are to defend first and that will keep you in so many games. And I think it's, it's Brooklyn to defend with length too. Yeah. Right? Like with, with a ton of size, unfortunately for Brooklyn Claxton just got hurt. So yeah. we'll see how long, you know, he's out and how much that affects them. Cause obviously he's one of their best defenders. He's certainly their best rim protector. Um, Orlando, Orlando. But Orlando, right. Orlando, Minnesota. And I would even say Cleveland, except, you know, they're, their backcourt is, back is quite small, but they do have Mobley. They do have Jared Allen. Like they have bigs that can contend. Um, but the good thing about these Minnesota guys is that Carl Anthony Towns can shoot. Nasri can shoot. And it's not only your bigs, right? You also, your wings, like you're saying. Like Kyle Anderson's a big guy. Jane McDaniels is a big guy. Anthony Edwards is a big guard. Like yeah. they are, the only small guy on their, on their team is Mike Conley Jr., who I love as a facilitator. And, and he always knows how to fit into the role on a team. So... Yeah, I like what they did. Now, I think that like it's something that can get navigated and figured out by 
the ultimate chess players in the NBA, like Jokic, like LeBron, like Luka, if they got into a playoff series where a team gets to see that defense and the defensive looks for seven games, for six games, right? But um, on a night-to-night basis, like that's not a team that I'd want to play. Yeah. It makes everything harder, man. It really does. When guys, when when the shortest guy on the court for the, the opposing team is 6'5", that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Who was it talking what team was I talking? Who was I talking to? And what team was I talking about? Um, it was a side. It was our buddy Don Ford. I just don't remember the player I was talking about, mm. but we were talking. He was basically his mo was like, if you're going to be a smaller guard, you better be Trey Young. You better be able to shoot the damn lights out of the place. Oh yeah. Because if you're a smaller guard in the NBA, like you're not going to be able to survive. That's like, why. Yeah, that's that's why the. In this day and age. The shooting for Steph and Trey is so, so important. Chris Paul, too, right? His is in a different way, but he's able to get to that mid-range whenever he wants. And his facilitating is still so ridiculous. Right. But you, like Trey and Steph and Dame, CJ McCollum, too, they shoot from so deep, and sometimes Kyrie, because like they don't want to get closer to the three-point line because there's less space, because the contest is that much more effective because there's so much length from these defensive players. So... Totally, totally agree. And the magic you mentioned, like Fultz is a big guard, Jalen Suggs is big, like Franz Their Wagner, Paolo Bancaro, Wendell Carter, like that starting five is big. And then you've got like Jonathan Isaac off the bench; he's long too. Like, yeah, they're, they're a big team. They're they're a really big team. And then they, even with like Cart Wendell and Carter being out now for a couple of weeks, they have Mo Mo Wagner like in the mix. Yeah, Mo, like, yeah, they're they're pretty deep. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add? Um. I don't, I don't think so. It's been fun to watch the NBA so far and excited to see it continue. I mean, to me, I just, we'll leave it at this. Like the Nuggets and the Celtics are on a different level than every other team. And until I see otherwise from, from other squads, like there's not, there's not going to be much that changes my mind there. I don't, I'm curious to see if we'll see second half Milwaukee. That's going to be one thing I'm looking at. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. What do they look like after they've gelled? Maybe they make one more move for some more depth. Or, or a tertiary, maybe Middleton gets moved. I don't know. Um, I'm just but, curious to see what happens, like, or not what happens, but in the sense of, I don't know if Milwaukee had on their bingo card the Celtics after they traded Drew Holiday to Portland. I don't know if they had that on their bingo card or they really had the foresight to imagine Drew Holiday ending up on the Celtics. I think that kind of bit them think, in the ass. I feel like they had to have at least imagined the idea that that could happen, but they couldn't say no to Damian Lillard, right? Like you, you couldn't. Yeah. If you, if you really thought you had to make that move, you have to make that move. And yeah, I guess you're right. Like looking, you knew Holiday was going somewhere. Like you but knew the trick, the tricky, there. the tricky thing is, something that I, I can't remember who I heard bring this up, but I thought it was an excellent point is that the, the Giannis stopper for a long time, at least in the regular season had been Nick nurse in the defensive matchups that he could throw at Giannis. The building, the wall started in Toronto and now he's in Philly and this team looks really good to start off. And doc rivers is not a bad coach, but he was a little bit cursed. I think for the last like 10 years, something just wasn't working. He just walks into bad situations. To be honest, like he got that Celtics team seemingly good situations, but like, like if you looked deep in the core of them, they were always kind of rotting, right? Like on the inside, but like that, 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 that Celtics team was like great for what it was really quickly. It was, I mean, it was, um, they won a championship and they were in another one, but Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce are very different animals than Ray Allen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like and Rondo's the, a different, he's a different animal as well. Like he's all of them. Yeah. And so like that, yeah, the Blake Griffin, like Chris Paul saga, I think Deandre Jordan was seemingly better than he actually was like that saga. Like dude, the injuries always hurt them. And then this Philly thing, he walked in and like he had, and James Harden, like he's going to suit up for the Clippers for the first time tonight. And he, everywhere he goes destroys. Yeah, I mean, I look like you're saying, like maybe the return wasn't enough, but you got him out the building, and now Tyrese Maxey is doing his thing. So it's like maybe, maybe, maybe it was worth it. And Nick Nurse is in there, so I'm maybe Philly is more of a threat than I initially thought they were going to be at the regular season. Celtics, Celtics, and Nuggets are at the top; they're at the apex of of the NBA right now. The Lakers need need to make a move. I'm looking really intently and intensely at the depth that they acquired in the offseason. That depth ain't that good. Let me tell you, that depth is not that good. And Austin Reeves has to reach where we thought he needed to get to. He has to be a fringe all-star for this team to be a real serious threat. Because LeBron is playing as good a basketball as any, but he's having to do too much for this team. And we've seen that LeBron and Anthony Davis, they just in the past two or three years, they do break down physically eventually um, when you have to play them high minutes. You don't want to do that. You want to see them healthy in, in the playoffs. So I, I'm I'm watching them. I'm obviously watching the Warriors. They've won some close games at the end. That's what they do, right? That's what, they're fine. That, that's what the Mavs and the Warriors are supposed to be able to do because they have Kyrie and Luka for the Mavs, because the Warriors have Clay and Steph. Like they should be able to win tight games. So can they stay in games consistently? Um you know, and once Draymond gets healthy, I think obviously the Warriors are on a different level than the Mavs. But yeah, I mean, th- th- those are kind of the teams that I'm looking at right now. Um, Last two things I'll leave you at. Yeah. On on the Lakers point, I, I'll bet you my bottom dollar, D'Angelo Russell and picks, maybe Jalen Hutchifino, D'Angelo Russell, and a pick or two, go to, go to Chicago. And they're going to bring DeRozan home. Hmm. Okay. They're going to they're going to bring DeRozan home to really compete and I think that's the move they should make. Like that's he takes good shots and he's as he's gotten older he's become a better facilitator in his later years. So I, like I think it. that's a move they make and then Sam Presti's a hell of a GM. I bet you he knew that James Harden was a locker room cancer the moment he traded him from OKC. That's a hell I'm dying on these days. Maybe we'll get him on the pod at one point and, and we should. Him. Let's try to make try to make it happen. Um all right. Uh Fisher to Sopolis. What do you think we'll have to trade him to get him on the pod? that's <laughs> hilarious it's a great that, that'd be a great thing to put in the email we'll give you two first round picks to get you on <laughs> <laughs> i'll see if we can reach out i want to i just want to write that email it's so funny all right fisher disciples we'll see you guys next time and now this is the moment you've all been waiting for we are live on the charity stripe podcast with your hosts alex josh and Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.